Chapter Nineteen of Grace Harlowe's Senior Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen: Grace Meets with a Rebuff. During the journey to Oakdale, Anne and the Southards formed the chief topic of conversation. It was jointly agreed that Anne had been fortunate indeed in winning the friendship of the great actor and his charming sister. They treat her as though she was their own sister remarked Eva Allen. They will miss her sadly when she leaves them. Everyone misses Anne, said Miriam Nesbit. She is so sweet and lovable that she simply draws one's affection to her. I am frightfully jealous of Grace. Yes, Grace is Anne's favorite, said Jessica. Anne would give her life for Grace if it was necessary. And Mabel Allison feels the same way toward you, Jessica, interposed Grace. How I wish Mabel had been with us, sighed Jessica. I received a letter from Mrs. Allison just before leaving Oakdale, said Mrs. Gibson. She expects to come east in June. Mabel has set her heart upon being here for commencement week. I shall invite the Southards, too, and perhaps your people will lend you to me for the week following graduation. We should love to go, said Grace, and her friends echoed her answer. Before their journey ended, night closed in around them. They had dinner in the dining car, and after dinner the girls began to feel a trifle tired and sleepy. James Gardner had discovered a boyfriend on the train, and had been graciously granted permission by the Phi Sigma Tau to go over and cultivate his society. "'You have been an angel, James,' said Nora, "'and have proved yourself worthy of a little recreation. Don't forget to be on hand when the train stops, however. I never saw your equal as a luggage carrier.' One by one the five girls leaned against the comfortable backs of their seats and closed their eyes. Mrs. Gibson became absorbed in the pages of a new book. Grace dozed for a brief space and then opening her eyes gazed idly about her. The seat on which she sat had been reversed in order that she and Nora might face Mrs. Gibson and Miriam. Their seats being near to the middle of the car, she could obtain a good view of a number of the other passengers. She noticed that the car was very full, every seat being occupied. Her eyes rested for a second upon a portly, well-dressed old gentleman in the last seat of the car, who was leaning back with the closed eyes, then travelled on to the man who shared the seat. "'What a remarkable face that man has,' she thought. "'He looks like a combination of a snake and a fox. I never before saw such tricky eyes. He is rather good-looking, but there is something about him that frightens me.' Grace found herself watching with a kind of fascination every move that the stranger made. Once her eyes met his, and she shuddered slightly, there was a world of refined cruelty in their depth. She looked out of the window as the train rushed on through the darkness, then almost against her will turned her eyes again in the direction of the repellent stranger. But what she saw this time caused her to stare in amazement. The stranger, under cover of a newspaper, was bent on extracting the handsome watch and chain that the elderly gentleman's open coat displayed. Although the paper hid the movement of his hands, Grace divined by the expression of the man's face what was taking place behind the paper screen. Like a flash she was out of her seat and down the aisle, but quick as been her movement the thief was quicker. He straightened up coolly, turned to his paper, looking up at her with an air of bored inquiry as she paused before him. Ignoring him completely she touched the old man on the shoulder and said in a low tone, "'Please pardon me, but if you value your watch you had better look to it. I saw this man attempting to steal it.' The old gentleman bounded up like a rubber ball, saying excitedly, "'What do you mean, young woman?' "'Just what I say,' replied Grace. 
The thief gave Grace a contemptuous look, then without stirring said lazily, The young lady is entirely mistaken. She must have been dreaming. I repeat my accusation, said Grace firmly. I have been watching you for some time, and I saw you attempt it. The old gentleman put his hand to his vest and drew out a particularly fine old-fashioned gold watch. My watch is safe enough, he growled testily, and so is my chain. Anyone who steals from me will have to be pretty smart. I guess if this man had laid hands on my watch I'd have known it. Can't fool me. Certainly not, responded the tricky stranger. If I were a thief you would be the last person I should attempt to practice upon. I should say so, grumbled the old gentleman. Young woman, you have let your imagination run away with you. Be careful in the future, or you may get yourself into serious trouble. This gentleman has taken your nonsense very good-naturedly. As the two men were occupying the seat nearest the door, save for the old gentleman's first bounce, the little scene had been so quietly enacted that the other passengers were paying little attention to the trio. "'We'd better go back to your friends,' said the man whom Grace had accused, looking at her with cold hatred in his eyes. "'That is, unless you wish to make yourself ridiculous.' Grace turned away without speaking. There were tears of mortification in her eyes. She had attempted to render a service and had been rudely rebuffed. She slipped into her place beside Nora, who was dozing, and had not missed her. Mrs. Gibson, too, had not marked her absence. "'Where were you, Grace?' said Miriam curiously. "'Open my eyes, and you were gone.' "'What's the matter? You look ready to cry.' "'I am,' replied Grace. "'I could cry with sheer vexation.' Then she briefly recounted what had occurred. "'What a crusty old man,' sympathized Miriam. "'It would serve him right if he did lose his watch. "'Where are they sitting?' "'Down the aisle on the other side at the end,' directed Grace. Miriam turned around in her seat. He looks capable of most anything, she remarked after a prolonged stare at the stranger, who was apparently absorbed in his paper. Are you sure, however, that you were not mistaken, Grace? Can't always judge a man by his looks. You can, this man, asserted Grace. He is a polite villain of the deepest dye, and I know it. It was after eleven o'clock when the train pulled into Oakdale. Mrs. Gibson's chauffeur awaited them with the big touring car, in which there was ample room for all of them. Keep a sharp lookout for that man whispered Grace to Miriam. I want to see if Oakdale is his destination. The two girls lagged behind the others, eagerly scanning the platform. I think he must have gone on, said Miriam. I don't see him. Don't worry any more about him, Grace. Then she walked on ahead. But Grace lingered. That looks like him now, she thought. He's just leaving the train. He seems to be waiting for someone. She stood in the shadow of the station, watching the man. Then she saw another man rapidly approaching. The newcomer walked straight up to the stranger and shook hands with him. Then the two men turned, and she obtained a full-face view of them both. Grace gave a little gasp of surprise, for the newcomer who had shaken the hand of the crook was Henry Hammond. End of chapter 19